The two Jills, a psychologist and psychic intuitive, reveal mind-blowing insights that turn psychology, self-help, and conscious teachings on their heads. Why? Because they work. Real help, sincere growth is here. Welcome to Sight. Hello, Jill. Hello, Jill. Great to see you today. Yeah, it's good to see you too. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So you guys, we are talking about purpose today. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation in so many ways. One of the reasons is that part of my client work so many times, especially when it's a new client, they're asking me to tell them using my psychic intuition, what their purpose for life is. And that is such a huge umbrella that a human um, within that kind of uh, ideology puts themselves under. And the notion that somebody is asking me or anyone to hand them that identity, hand them that purpose, and that that becomes it is has so many, it's so problematic in so many ways. So I know I have a very different perspective on it, Jill. I know from our conversations that you have a very unique and very useful and very relevant perspective as well. So I hope everybody really kind of maybe opens their mind a little bit more today. And um, we're not saying you don't have a purpose. So if anyone's anxious about that, or hopefully this is going to be an enlightening, highly informative and radically different view, maybe for some of the audience to, to experience and consider. I love that. This is this is such a great topic because it, it, it honestly affects everybody, right? There's there's nobody that that can't relate in some way to this idea of of the of the the ideal, the purpose. And I think one of the things, even before you start out um, thinking about what your purpose is, consider a little bit how you are using this idea of purpose, right? How are you using it to keep yourself in line or are you using it to keep yourself motivated? Are you using it to keep yourself stuck? Are you using it to say negative things about yourself? Like really look at how you are sort of coming to the idea of purpose before you even get to do I have a purpose? What is my purpose? What should I be doing with myself? Right. And I, I would even offer that if you're using purpose against yourself in any way, then you really need to reconsider what purpose is. Beautiful. So let's, let me ask, I will tee up some questions for you, Jill, and we'll each kind of maybe take a shot at those. I know I do better with being asked questions too. So we'll we'll try that a little bit more today. Okay. So Jill, do you believe that everyone has some sense of purpose by being human? Um, I don't think we have to have a purpose, but I do feel that in order to live here and make sense of this world, right? And to connect with it, the and even to connect with other people, I think the idea of purpose is kind of cool, right? If, it, if we use it to our advantage. Um, but I don't think we come in here with a preordained 
purpose. And, and I don't think that if we don't come up with something really, you know, dynamic and sexy, you know, that we're not fulfilling a purpose. And, you know, so yeah. What about you? What do you think? Does everybody have a purpose? I have come to the conclusion that, 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 that any person, you are the purpose, that you are the purpose, right? And that there's so much authorship in that. So I have, I've seen a lot of downsides with this idea that the purpose is something that you serve, sort of like the purpose, once you identify the purpose, or once you can ascertain the purpose, the purpose is like the horse, and you're the cart. And you're kind of trying to serve the purpose as you go through life, right? And the bigger the purpose, the, the more important some people feel. And the more validated they feel, the more justified they feel for maybe any shit that they went through. Like, yeah, this my purpose better be big because I've been through hell and back. And I I, I want a really great idea of why the, why the fudge I'm here and why I had to go through that, right? And I completely understand that um, uh, that passionate, intense requirement that a lot of, well, not a lot, but some some humans have. So I much prefer, and I've seen great results by really flipping this idea that you are the purpose, you are the horse, and that how you, how you decide to author what you say yes to, the roles you sign up for, whether you are, um, you know, a spouse or a parent or an active child in your um, in your parents' life, especially as they age, as an adult child, right? All the relationships, all the roles and responsibilities we say yes to, they can become your sense of purpose. Um, somebody that loves to learn, that can be their sense of purpose. But I love the idea that they get to write these statements. They get to make these choices and decisions from themselves. You know, I love that because you're bringing up, you're bringing up this, there's like a timeline there, right? So if you think of if you think of purpose, a lot of times, you know, when you become you become an adult, you get to a certain age, maybe in your 20s, I don't know. When you're a kid, you, you know, you have a sense that you're still not baked and you're still learning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's you're you're not solidifying your purpose, although there's a lot of angst. And purpose in those senses, you know, tends to be, you know, kind of merged with what I do right? Or what my career is, they, they do tend to kind of cohabitate. But I think, you know, to back off this, the intensity of, of purpose is look at a child, right? Does a child not have purpose? Right? And so that kind of helps you rejig your connection with and, and the intensity even that may surround this idea of purpose. Like I need one to become whole. I need one to have an identity, right? I think that that's a Trojan horse. I think more like you think, which is it's not something you're looking for. It's not something that's eluding you. It it can't elude you. You can't, you know, it's, it's sort of the idea of like, you can't be off track. Exactly. You can't be off path. Everything here is a path, meaning there is no path. I love that. And I I have an aversion to the idea that there is no path, um, but I, I get it that for some people that's a freeing concept. I think an additional way to look at it is that when you, when and if somebody decides that they are the purpose, you are you and you can't, 
you can't be off track. You, they, you yeah, can't be off. You can't be off purpose. And there is no risk of being off purpose or off course because you are the purpose. Right. And so really, I'm just saying, if everything's pur- purposeful, then nothing is, you know, it's really <laughs> sort of the, you know, the line from uh, The Incredibles, right? If everybody's super, then no one is, right? So it's And I so of- disagree with that. It's so funny. because <laughs> Yeah, somebody said that to me once. Well, are we special? I'm like, yeah, everybody's special. We can't all be special. I'm like, why not? Who said right, that but rule? But, but special is the norm. And that's that's the beauty of it. Because I do think that in God's eyes, we are all special. And valuable right? and, so the joke and purposeful. Is, and purposeful, right? And I, I have this saying, you know, when people are really struggling with their purpose, and I, I always say, I'm like, God didn't, you know, send you down here, whatever your belief system is. It's kind of, you know, tongue in cheek that I'm saying this, but like God didn't send you down here so that you could do what, you know, be very specific in what you came here to do. He's not pulling the strings. You know, there's nobody there telling you what to do. You get to come down here and play. You know, I consider this like the holodeck, the playground, whatever it is. Right. And, and so if purpose is something that really like lights you up, then a hundred percent go for it. Right. And I think even some of those people are not that bogged down by it, you know, but then there's another set, like, you know, I was a stay at home mom who also had, you know, studied for a PhD. And I ended up, you know, to the outside world kind of not using it, right. Um, Because I raised my kids, and there was a big struggle to shift from this idea that purpose and identity was wrapped up in in my education, right? And I had to really, and a lot of people do this, you know, there's a struggle to get back to, okay, that's not it, right? That's not it. That's not what makes me, me. Um, And for a while, it was really clashing with being a stay-at-home mom. You know, I just felt like, can you hurry up and grow up? I got shit to do, (laughs) you know, like to my kids. Like, I'm like, I'm on hold. I felt very much on hold via, you know, ergo the purpose. Right. Yeah. That, that, I guess one way that I would um, offer context for that for some people is that, sorry, tickly throat, is that when we placed maybe too much emphasis on a certain role, right, we can get out of balance and it puts a lot of pressure on that role or the individuals that are within that role. Let me give some examples. When people are looking for a sense of purpose in their career, they're putting a lot of pressure on that career, that employer, or that entrepreneurial venture that, no, this is this is where I'm this is where I'm getting my meaning out of life. So I need this to go well, right? That's one example, and that's problematic, right? And there's there's antidotes to that of, well, you had meaning before you were ever in your career, right? You had meaning before you started your business or something like that. And parents, empty nest syndrome that a lot of, um, especially women, face that I don't know what and who I am anymore because my kids are now out of the nest and now I don't know who I am anymore. And what I like to say to moms that are, or dads that are in that situation, caregivers, is but that's that's you're acting, your brain is telling you that you only had meeting once you started to be a parent 
And that's not true. You had meaning before you ever even thought about having kids. So the, the brain goes, wait, what? Right? That's a record scratch to use your beautiful and beautiful term, right? And cute, funny term. So this re-identification, allowing the brain to be more relaxed and more reflective, that where are you, where are you choosing to obtain your sense of meaning and purpose and identity? And is it one thing? And do you have control over that? Right. So I, because of my work, have had a, this, you know, blessing that I love being a parent. And I loved, you know, when they were on summer break and, you know, trying to do fun things together and really just enjoying them as much as as much as I'll allow myself. Um, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. I get annoyed too, you know, with just like, okay, <laughs> you know, like today's boring. <laughs> Again, we're in a Grand House Day situation. Um, but just allowing as much enjoyment and, and pleasure in that role as possible, while also having and allowing a sense of meaning in the other ways that I am Jill, right? So now as my kids are leaving the nest, I had, I had a, a good cry when I dropped my older daughter off at college, but I definitely did not have a sense of loss, a loss of meaning, a loss of purpose, right? In the extreme case of, of empty nest system, uh, syndrome or system is when a parent loses a child, right? And their sense of, uh, again, their world is rocked more, even more so from that tragedy if the main source of their identity was being the mother to that child, right? So when you can, again, point out to them, but you had meaning and purpose before you ever became a mom, right? So that gives them more to work with as they re-examine going forward in their life with their child having been lost. Yeah, which is horrible, unimaginable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jill, uh, I wanna ask you a question here. Yes. Teeing up another ball for you, because <laughs> I, I love your answers. What do you think about how, how easy do you think it can be to re for the brain and for the human psychology to re-examine a person's purpose and sense of meaning in their life. Do you think that's an easy thing or a hard thing? What do you recommend there? You know, that's a good question. I think I had an interesting, you know, as an example, I had an interesting conversation with my daughter yesterday and she had this idea about herself. So when you're in the education system, you know, there's an intensity that builds. If you're a conscientious student, things like that, there's, there are intensities that build over time. And when you get, you know, to college and through college, you're developing a sense of yourself in that very intense kind of environment. And it's not real life and you can't run at that pace for, you know, in real life, right? But everybody says, okay, high school's four years, I'm gonna gun it and then I'm gonna get into school. And then college, I'm gonna gun it and then I'm gonna get my job, right? So it's almost like they put their, you know, their, I don't know, their health or whatever on hold, right, in anticipation of, of the payout, which is, in that sense, their purpose. But what my daughter realized was that she had developed a sense of herself and her identity, yes, around this purpose, around also around this speed of operating, you know, of operating, and she, you know, she just... It was a very limiting sense, you know, because she felt like I don't want to interview. I'm nervous about interviewing. I'm nervous about she she had a view of herself that enveloped a lot of anxieties, I think, because the intensity of the situation and 
you're always looking at your peers, right? You're looking at what everybody else is doing. And now she's in the work world. And just yesterday, she said to me, I am doing all these things I never saw myself doing, right? And she started to realize that she was rethinking who she thought she was and what she had told herself, who she had told herself she was and all the limitations that came with that. And so in in an interesting way, she's not different she's realizing how misled she was as to who she was and how she misled herself. She realized she got herself wrong. And that's very different than saying you're an adult and you've matured and now you can do these things that you couldn't do before. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because you mentioned the brain and the brain has a way of putting you know, growth, if you will, or developing out of these ideas of yourself as an act of maturity. I'm going to argue it's not. It is the act of saying, you know, everything I thought about myself is wrong. And that's a different, that's a different baseline because that's a baseline, like you're saying, You know, if you're saying I am my purpose, this is very similar to that, right? And so do I think in answer to your question, is it complicated to re, for the brain to reimagine you, you know, or to change the way it thinks about you and to not, the more, the bigger challenge is reverting back to what the brain had previously thought. So I don't think it's that complicated, but the brain is not going to allow you to look for the incremental changes that bring about the the bigger shift, right? And honestly, that's where I am with my daughter. You know, she's like, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And I said, you have to start, you have to back up and just say, this is who you are. This is who you've always been. Like, remember your baseline and then say, and as me, who I always am, I'm doing that and I'm doing that and I'm doing that. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I feel like we should definitely be rethinking who we think we are, especially if we're limited by I only know myself as a parent, or I only know myself as a student, or I only know myself as someone who doesn't like to talk in public, right? We got to, in a, in a way, throw it all out and start again. Okay. <laughs> I love that. And I think, <laughs> I love you so much. I love how there is this, I don't know what your sign is, and I'm not dedicated to astrology, but I bet there's a fire sign in there somewhere, because there is the theme with you of, Throw it all out. Burn it all down. <laughs> You're the I'm one not, who didn't want to go to the holiday dinner. You're like, don't I'm go. Not like that. I'm not like that. That's true. It's not that I don't have it. So if somebody feels like they, you know, freedom from throwing it all out, that's awesome. And there's another, there's obviously so many ways that we can do this. I, I feel like it, it can be made simpler if it's, if it's kind of D like non-dramatic, right? Just to, just a really loving, gentle shift of, 
um, for your in the example of your daughter, which is such a great story, by the way. That's so relatable, I think, to so many people, even if it's not, you know, entering the the workforce from from uh, college career or just any transition of I thought I was this, but I'm not that, right? Well, in another way of looking at yourself, okay, you're not you're not this, you're not that. You're in in reality, you're the operator of those thoughts, mm-hmm. right? And you can't lose that. You you are the operator of those of those sense the sense of purpose, the thoughts related to identity and who and what you are. You're the you're the superpower that's operating all those things. And I I have seen and observed uh, with you know over ten years of observational data now in this field that with that kind of mindset and that kind of thought form, it's like, oh, okay, then it's not so scary, right? Then we can maybe be more experimental, more fluid, right? About what this means of, oh, I'm a mom of a toddler. Oh my God, I'm a mom of a newborn. Oh, I'm a mom of a college student. You know what I mean? It's not that that scary anymore. It's not that freak out because they may be, even if they're major, there's not as much disruption if you give yourself that that bigger identity if you're the operator of those ideas. And that's where she is now. You you actually said it so beautifully because she's like, I had all this fear and I don't have it anymore. And it does calm down. When I say throw it all out and start again, I'm, you know, I'm I am joking about it. She was really saying that when things started to unravel, now she realizes she doesn't have to hold fast to anything, right? And that is the liberation. And so when I say throw it all out, it really is saying, let everything be up for up for grabs and up for reinterpretation and up for a second look, right? So, and she's just starting to now get excited about what else is up for a second look. Right. And that was the, you know, sort of the point that I was trying to make was the brain is not going to be your ally in the beginning in teeing up what's up for a second look. You very much have to operate that train because it is not a typical way you've been used to operating. You you're used to asking the brain who you are. And that's what we're all doing. We're asking the brain, and we've talked about this in other episodes, we're asking the brain questions it can't possibly answer. It's not supposed to. We're the answerer of who we are. And we always know who we are. We can't not know who we are. So this idea, if you're confused about who you are, you're in brain. And or the brain is confused. You're not. Let's put it that way. Right. And so don't entertain those those types of questions like, who am I? That's not a question you would ask. That's a question the brain would ask. Right. Yeah. And by the way, to that that theoretical question of, you know, what am I? Who am I? you are a you are a conscious being that gets to choose that answer for yourself and that answer can change at at your will right um can we talk about problematic beliefs and problematic purposes a little yes, bit because i know yes. you and i have both um you know been exposed to slash witnessed and observed in others some really um let's just say less than ideal purposes. And let's talk about a rubric a little bit first, Jill, if that's okay. 
what is a rubric for kind of a good purpose or a bad purpose? I'm concerned when I when I encounter somebody whose purpose is something that they have very little to no control over. For example, um, and I mean, let's go let's go to the uh, a bit of an extreme here. My purpose is to you know upgrade humanity and change this world. Wow, that's a that's a very impressive purpose, right? You have you're pretending your that that purpose and its thought forms related to it are pretending, I would say self-deceiving, that you have authority over that. You don't have authority over all of humanity. You have authority over you, right? So I get that for some people, and maybe the more traumatized they have felt in life, the more um, enticing that kind of huge lofty purpose can feel. Because again, it probably does counterbalance the level of pain and suffering they feel like they've felt. So the more pain and suffering they perceive that they've been through or that humanity is going through, it's possible that their their thoughts are um, interpreting it as this better be a fucking, oh, is it okay that I said that? We'll have to make it's sure we put explicit on this <laughs> fucking whopper of a purpose because right. if it's just that I'm here to be me, Jill, I don't like that answer because you don't know what I've been through, right? And I'm like, yeah. okay, that's a very, that's a very self-deceiving way of tricking you into a purpose that you can't achieve. You can't achieve well, that. Well, it's, it's an added, I like what you're saying because the, not only can't you achieve it, so th- this is this is brain, right? The brain says you're, you're not feeling so hot about yourself or you've had a, a past that requires, you know, some overcompensation, let's say. Um, and what the brain will do is it'll say, we'll have a lofty goal. And that lofty goal will attach to your identity. And then that will, according to brain, lift you up out of the doldrums, okay? In reality, what happens when you have a lofty goal like that, that is so kind of obtuse, right? And to your point out of your control, it has like a, you know, it's like a backhanded, what do you call that? Like a backhanded slap? I can't remember, you know, where it gets you. So it's lofty goal, but it hits you with this. It's almost like a... um, because you can't achieve it, as, as as you discussed, it actually depletes you. So it traumatizes you further. So the brain says, no, no, no. And then if you don't reach a lofty goal, then it's your fault or your problem. And it is a re-traumatizing goal, right? And goals should be specific. They should be actionable right? And they, you should be able to tell that you've achieved it or it's not a goal. It's one of those brain pipe dreams that's probably in the beginning trying to lift you up, but will sink you deeper. Yeah. And I would add to your, um, your rubric there, a third one of that you have authority over it, that it is within your control. So think about this in terms of parenting, right? So many of us that are that are trying to do, you know, be very responsible and loving and nurturing parents for our children. Um, we're basing our success on how our kids do, but mm-hmm. we don't have full authority over how our kids do, right? So that's a that's a tricky one. You have, and the the visual that I like to give people is you only get to play your side of the net in tennis. 
So when it comes to parenting, your kid is on the other side of the net. And that can be for any of us that are a bit more on the controlling side, that can be very frustrating, very humbling in a lot of ways, but very healthy. And I would say a necessary form of humility that you will do everything you can, but you can only play your side of the net, even with parenting. You know, I re- that's such a great analogy because really what parents try to do is hit the ball, their kids on the other side, the ball's coming and the parent is running to the other side of the net to try and return its own lob. So there is this, let your kid play the side of the net, right? Um, which I love. So I love that, uh, you know, I love that visual because a lot of us are definitely trying to play both sides of the net. Um, all right. So what else? You were talking about how goals can be really problematic. So what are some other ones that you're concerned about? Because I know it wasn't just a single, right? I would say another one that I see quite often in terms of purpose is to be like a successful business owner. That one, I'm really strong on that theme lately, um, because there are so many entrepreneurs and um, health and wellness practitioners that that are in my in my community and in my audience. They are so regularly asking, like, my business isn't as successful as I want it to be, or it's not growing like I want it to be. And the, the next question is, what am I doing wrong? Or what am I blocking? And their brain has already come to the conclusion that their success and their growth is up to them, right? And, you know, there's a part of me that's like, didn't you do a lemonade stand when you were little? Didn't you figure out that you right. can it's a crash best, you can make the best freaking lemonade, you can have the best freaking location. And you may not sell anything, right? You may you may be very under 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 goal in that. So you do what you can, and then and the lemonade stand is simple, right? And not simple to achieve, but simple to set up. Look at how complex it is to own and operate a business. Even I would say, especially in some ways, if it's online, because there's so much noise online. There's so many ways to be overlooked. Um, there's so many. Even if something is in your face, I see and ignore ads and hit even click the, the I don't like this ad kind of it's it's irrelevant to me kind of person. So even with ads and things in this reality, it's so it's so likely to be ignored. So it's so valuable to reset your expectation again, even with a business that you get to play your side of the net. We have very little control over how that goes. I do believe in luck. And I do believe in in chaos and randomness and that things happen for no reason at all. Um, and I know that's frustrating to a lot of people that want to, I, I would say, pretend that their success is in their hands. And I don't think that's true. There's a lot that you can do to play your side of the net very, very well. But how it actually ends up going, we don't have authorship of that. Well, you know, and that gets into, you know, our self-help you know, are we getting anywhere, you know, episode, because there really is this, this idea in our minds that if we just had the right training, or if we just had the right education, or we just had the right person, you know, um, promoting us, that that would, or if we, we were good enough, right, that we would be getting somewhere. And, you know, again, it goes back to the beginning of the conversation is like, Look how you're using these concepts, right? If you're not using them in support of yourself, these concepts have to go. They are there. You're damaging yourself. You are doing yourself a disservice 
And we don't, we don't realize how we do that. And the brain is always going to tell you, do more. You're not doing enough. If you just, you know, if, 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 should, 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 should. Right. And so you really, again, don't want to be asking the brain, you know, how do I become successful? And that can end up spending a lot, a lot of money there. And I think maybe there's not one purpose. That's another issue, right? Why is this, why is this singular? And why don't we get to play the field? I always say I'm a jack of all trades, master at none. And people laugh because I am, by all accounts, if you look at me, I am ADD. I am trying new stuff all the time. I don't really even have a desire to get good at any of it, right? I'm in the constant, I'm at the buffet all the time, but I never finish the buffet, right? I'm not trying to eat until all the food is gone. I'm just always sampling. And that's kind of my life. And I was very critical of it for a very long time. And now I'm like, I am never bored. Right. I'm, I'm always doing something different. Is that purpose? I don't know. I, I would love to offer that given what you just described and I, I knowing you, I just love how you just put those words to it. That with that, with that uh, thought form with that mentality, with that ideology, and really pursuit of life is to experiment and explore, um, to be a visionary in a lot of ways. What about this? What about that? That that could be somebody's healthy sense of purpose is, I'm here to try things. I'm here to try new things. I don't feel obligated to finish things. I don't feel obligated for mastery within the things that I try. I enjoy the experimentation and the range of my, in your case, your Jill, in terms of your ability to explore and examine and, and be curious about trying different things out, that could be someone's sense of purpose, right? That's a big shift, right? Because that is, that is not, and it goes back to what we were saying earlier, you know, about, about can you change up what you always thought was, was the ideal? What, you know, the things that you were chasing, right? And so it's, it's not, I don't know. I mean, I, I really felt like for a very long time, I was trying to do the right thing by getting a career and getting a purpose and getting, you know, figuring out what that was and trying to be successful by whatever standard success is. Um, and none of that was panning out, right? It just wasn't, it was... I felt like every time I got into something, it it started to get like, I don't really want to do this. You know, it, the, the logistics of some of it or the details, you know, all the fun stuff. And then there's the shit you got to do with it. And everyone's like, the fun always comes with shit, Jill. And I'm just like, I don't want to merge those two things. Like, I, I really don't. I want to do things while they're fun. And I'm going to stop doing them <laughs> when they become unfun. And that is that is the way i've i've come to operate um i don't know but this isn't about me this is about purpose <laughs> i don't know i don't know what my purpose is i, know, I, like it. I don't know what the purpose of this episode is I, um, all right where are we 
I wonder, I mean, I enjoy Enneagrams and um, Myers-Briggs, you know, I don't, I'm not, I maybe like once every three years or something, I do something like that. And I like the clarity, you know, of kind of a, almost like the diagnostic, you know, diagnostic kind of categorization of, yes, I'm in ESTJ is what, and mine changed over time. But in my early career days, in my mid twenties, I was very much an ESTJ. Um, in the Enneagram, my husband did it through a kind of a executive development um, kind of thing. And he's like, oh, we should all do this. So my family and I did it. I'm like way high in the helper category, which we all just laughed at. So we got so much enjoyment out of out of some of these labels. Um, I love labels that help you be your best you. I don't like labels that limit you, right? But right. there's a part of, I mean, I'm definitely one of those people that there's a part of me that just feels good about feeling understood and feeling like, oh, yes, I do love to help people, right? Um, anyway, so that that purpose of helping people, there can be a downside to that. I can give too much and then all of a sudden feel like, wait a minute, like, where where am I being helped? You know what I mean? Well, did you ask for help, Jill? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's a lot of self-awareness and self-love involved, but when it comes to purpose, the rubric that I like to use, I look for, I think a good purpose is one that centers you within your humanness, within your sense of self, right? Versus taking you out of your sense of self. Um, and I could give examples, but I think I think we already actually gave some. Yeah, um, right. When I come across somebody who feels like their sense of purpose is to heal the world or something, I do find them disconnected from their human relationships. Um, very disconnected from their human roles. Um, I've met people that have uh, been on the edge and I felt so blessed to be able to talk to them. They were about ready to leave like their teenage child um, to, you know, go on some one year thing in Bali or something, because that's where, you know, their healer lived. And they, they, you know, that was more important than being a, a full hands-on, you know, full-time hands-on parent to their, their, teenager I was just like okay let's just give that's you another right. perspective right um that's that's very yeah anyway so I have opinions well, about things a, like that that's a miss so another thing that I would offer to people is whatever you feel like your purpose is see how you're doing that right now mm, so good. especially with the helping purpose is that the brain often has you looking somewhere beyond yourself and you miss, this is what I was talking about earlier. You miss the way you're actually helping. Yes. Right. Every so day without even was, thinking about it. I was missing how I was helping my kids because I was thinking, you know, about my clients, you know, so it's, it's a, it's really important for you to rein your brain back in and chances are you're not off on your purpose, but you're probably off on your um, perception of what the execution of that purpose is supposed to look like. So if you're in the helping profession, look at who you're helping. You're helping people all day long, walking down the street, picking up someone's scarf that's fallen, you know, just you, it's all day long but your brain is not cataloging that. And it's not putting them in, in sort of the bucket that would fill you up. 
in the purpose that you're actually talking about, right? And there, there are other purposes, you know, it's not just helping someone, but even just, you know, if you're looking for richness, look at the richness that you're already, you know, sort of enveloped in, you know, whatever, you know, it's almost, some of it's metaphorical, yes. Um, but even that helps the brain just, you know, soften its grip on on hijacking your purpose and making it look a specific way or you're nowhere. I love that. I'm so glad you added that because ideally purpose is is something you are naturally, right? I've seen that kind of definition of purpose be so self-serving and so supportive and so expansive. It really helps you be even better at what you naturally are, right? The other thing is that I, I find that in our modern day society, there's a lot of confusion between purpose and income. There is this, um, I think, unhealthy overlap of those that in order for something to be your purpose, it needs to be something that you make money at. So this example that we're using about being helpful is so perfect because there are so many ways that we are helpful and we're not getting paid for it. The world is not always going to pay you for your purpose. And the more that I see someone trying to almost like force this reality to pay them for their purpose, the yeah, more disappointed they are, the more frustrated they are. Um, they're really trying to force fit something that may be completely disconnected. And for those of us in the more spiritual consciousness communities, I love to point out in, for one example, Jesus was a carpenter. He made his money as a carpenter and he was uh, bankrolled in many ways by other individuals that had money to support him, right? But he wasn't even, I don't think he was even thinking about monetizing his soulfulness, if you will, in the service that he offered this humanity. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> that's he, he saved himself a lot of headaches, right? He so, you know, I'm not saying I, you know, because I have made the choice to monetize my giftedness more under the, this, you know, an alternative or in addition to therapy or mental health and wellness and, you know, uh, yeah, psychologists and um, all of those types of things. So I've decided to monetize it. And then there's another part of me going, you know what, maybe, maybe I just, you know, I, I do have other choices. I could do this, you know, the soulful kind of work as a hobby, something I do on the side and, and receive my monetary compensation in other ways, given that I already have that training in other, in a, I've made money other ways through my MBA and my strategic planning and business acumen. Yeah. So anyway, just wanted to offer that up as a little kind of example of if somebody's feeling like, wow, this this purpose and monetizing it, I love that you use that word, isn't going well. Okay, then pause. And maybe it's not the time to try harder and, and push harder and dedicate even more of you into it. Maybe that's a time for pausing and going, you know, I, maybe I'm maybe I'm forcing something that may never happen. And it may not be up to me and maybe I've done everything I can and it's not going to get better than it is right now. And I think that's healthy. I think it's healthy too. And along those lines, this idea, let's say you're in a career and your career is not, you know, filling, filling your purpose cup, right? People often feel like, okay, I got to leave this because this isn't my purpose. And that's not, that's not necessary either. 
right? So you can totally stay in your career. Don't actually try to make it your purpose, which would maybe dial you back a little bit and make it a little more bearable just to be there. You're not overworking yourself. You're not trying to, you know, stick a square peg in a round hole. And then you can just be like, okay, I do that, you know? And the beauty of that is it gives me money, right? And so it's, you can decouple this idea of purpose from career. And I think for so many people that will be so liberating because you could stay at your job and you can move into the more, you know, I'm going to say esoteric, but I don't mean it in a negative way, idea that you are your purpose, right? And you're at your job. Yes, you're fulfilling your purpose, but not the way you think you are. Exactly. Right. Beautifully said. It is such a great, um, I remember there was a woman who I was speaking to and she found out that she couldn't have children and her, she was young at the time. And, and she had said to me, you know, my life is just not, you know, nothing that I thought that it was going to be, you know, and she was so devastated. And I said, okay, it's not going to be anything you thought it was going to be. And it's going to be fantastic. And she never really, you know, it was one of those, you see her face, it was was a brain breaker because in her mind, there was only one way for it to be fantastic, just one way. And literally the brain didn't have space for another way. So this is why you and I talk about the brain so much, because if you're not on top of the brain, it can really, really limit you and limit your choices. And that's all through just what it decides to attend to versus what you decide to attend to. And that's, both of those create your perspective. What you attend to creates your perspective and what your brain attends to creates your perspective. And it goes back to if you fall asleep your brain is driving the bus and your perspective becomes it's, you know, um, what would I call it? It's basically comes out of its filing cabinets. Right. So this is, you know, it's a multi-step purpose of staying awake, a, a multi-step process of sort of staying awake. Watch how your brain is teeing up purpose. Watch how it tells you you are not achieving your purpose. And then reset the balance that, you know, as you're talking about of, I can't be off purpose. Yeah. That's not a possibility. It's only a possibility to the brain, which says purpose is outside of you, beyond you. Frankly, you're probably never going to get there mm. or you're never going to be satisfied, even right. if you This, what you were just talking about there reminds me of the other sort of layer of purpose, which is fulfillment, right? Most people want to be purposeful because they are seeking and desiring a sense of fulfillment, right? And idealizing fulfillment, I feel like that's what that that friend or client was describing to you that, you know, that my life isn't anything like what I thought it would be. And I sense that there was disappointment and disillusionment that she was facing because of that. So I feel like we've over-idealized so many different things that we are consistently in a sense of disillusionment and lack of fulfillment, 
And that can cause a lot of spirals for a lot of people and a, a huge um, distraction from their sense of, of value and meaning and the everyday roles that they've already said yes to, right? For example, those of us that said yes to being a parent to these souls that are our children, right? So I am, I am very um, dedicated to this idea of helping people feel more authorship and the meaning of the roles they've already said yes to, the commitments they've already said yes to, without this um, kind of Hollywood version of idealizing them, right? There are so many, let's take an example of Oprah, right? Because she, for some people has already been taken off of the pedestal, but for those that still have her on some sort of pedestal, there are so many Oprah type individuals that are the Oprah to their friend group. They are the, the wisdom keeper, the, um, the talking points, the, the sanity maker, right? Explorer of, of great ideas and making them implementable. Um, they do that for their neighborhood. They do that for their friend group. They do that for their church group, right? And they're not getting obviously the world recognition for it, which Hopefully their brain can be talked out of that requirement, right? That it has to be, you know, global in order to be relevant. And they can really reassess the usefulness and the value and then deciding to allow a sense of fulfillment in their version of being, you know, a soulful resource for individuals, even if it's on a much smaller scale. And I love the way you said that too, because fulfillment isn't allowing, it, that's all it is. It's not, it's not an action. It's not something that comes your way. Um, Choose to feel fulfilled. Yeah. You just, yeah. So it's choosing, it's allowing, it's, it's opening up that, um, you know, yeah, it's just, you know, it's almost like we give you permission to be fulfilled. <laughs> right here, yeah. right now. Um, because I don't think that many people have that or, t- you know, allow themselves that permission. And I do think it comes from this, you know, rather overbearing, you know, brain programming that we've been sort of brainwashed with, right? It, it really is, you're not enough. You're your grades, you're your job, you're your income. I mean, we are getting these signals 24-7. It's like the subliminal. It's not subliminal, obviously, but it's it's reinforced. It's, in, it's so reinforced, we don't even notice it mm-hmm. anymore. It's normal to us, right? To have this belief that I'm not enough until, or, you know, I'm only as good as my boss's latest, you know, um, comment of me, you know, and needing that sort of constant reinforcement, because there is this constant uh, unreinforcement, you know, I can't think there's this constant sucking it out of us. So that's the battle we're, we're operating in right now. Right. So we're, we're trying to reclaim, right? The, you are your purpose. You are living your purpose all the time. You have permission to be fulfilled. You have permission to like yourself. You have permission to trust yourself. You, you, I mean, all the things that we talk about in all of our episodes, you know, it's really like, 
I don't know. It's so stunning how we've gotten ourselves into this really I'm not enough loop. And in terms of the how, because I can imagine, especially at this point in the conversation, there's going to be some people saying, okay, I get it. Now tell me how to do it. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to knock out all those thoughts out. The gentlest, most successful strategy I know of is to replace those thoughts with better thoughts. It's very easy. When you mm -hmm. offer yourself a better system of thought in terms of, okay, so I'm unfulfilled here. I feel very like uh, this purpose is not enough. I'm not happy here. I'm not happy there in terms of different roles and, and things that you've said yes to commitments in your life. Okay. What is another way to look at those roles and your expectations? Because you can revisit those expectations whenever you want, right? And for anyone that has a high standard for themselves, they have probably gotten in a, a, a deeper hole in a way in terms of feeling unfulfilled because they had unrealistic standards to begin with. Mm -hmm. So it is the revisiting of the standards that helps them feel more purpose and feel more inherent fulfillment in what is already in their life. And most of us have a brain and an assessment system that is way too outward oriented. And I'm, I'm not even talking about the comparison, just a sense of, again, expectation. I thought it would look like this. I thought it would feel like that. I thought if I was successful in my job, I'd be making X amount of dollars per year. And I'm not even close to that. And oh my God, I may never get that. Oh my God, oh my God. And I'll, then, you know, just the disillusionment sets in. So, okay, that isn't what's happening. Okay, so how do I choose to feel about that and react to that and respond to that, given that it isn't going according to what my expectations were? The magic part of that is resetting your expectations. And the stubbornness about that in your thoughts is a recipe for an unending lack of fulfillment. Yeah, that is perfectly said. I think expectations are a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, they honestly, they don't lead anywhere good. <laughs> You know, so Jiller, so Jill, are you saying that you are not a fan? Are you are you proposing that somebody have no expectations? What do you, you know, what do you think is the winner what, there? It depends what you're, you know, saying no expectations about, right? So in in my mind, like should people not have expectations? In my mind, expectations are sort of pre-playing reality right so it's it's sort of predicting the future and based on that prediction you're you're going to choose whether you're happy or you're not happy that takes out the whole idea of you being present in your life and so i I am not a fan of expectations, not good okay. ones and not bad ones, because I want to just, I don't want to be operating with a future idea in mind. I'm missing all the things. And I think that's what I'm saying. If the brain is focused on what this should look like, I'm missing everything in between. I feel mm. like we lose too much important nuance and possibility. If you think of in every moment, there is infinite possibility. 
and I'm ignoring it because I chose one. And so I, I do have a problem with expectation. And I feel like expectation is really there from the brain perspective. The brain doesn't like to be surprised. The brain likes to be prepared. That's kind of dull. I want more surprise, you know, okay. I because that helps me, I don't know, be connected, be involved, be interested. I don't, I don't know. So I, I don't like expectations. Okay. Um, I love that. Thank you for explaining that by the way. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't clear. I think my brain, um, I, the way that I, I, I'm definitely expectation based. That's how I make some of the decisions and choices that I make as my Jill is based on, okay, based on, it's almost like given what I know today and given how I think that would go, I'll say yes to this and no to that, or dial up my energy in this or dial down my energy in that. So to me, expectations, as long as they are in service to me and not me in service to them, that they're adjustable, that I will reset my expectations as I proceed through my yes, right? That, oh, okay, I, you know, started out with the economics major. Oh, okay, it might be more difficult to get a job in that. Oh, okay, I'll add finance. Okay, I'll throw in some accounting there. So just adjusting the expectation as I go, knowing that there is no guarantee of how things will go. So it's a very, I think that version of expectation can, I know for me and the people that I, that I've advised over the years, that that approach to expectations can be very healthy and very There's a fluidity in yours. Yeah, there is. Yeah, so I like, I like your explanation of how you're using it because that, that would, I like both of those. Because you're constantly updating, which is what constantly. which is what I want. If I if I have an expectation and I'm not also constantly updating, then I'm in service of that expectation, and it is it is a detriment. It can really become a detriment to me. So I I think I like what you're saying. It's like there's there's a there's an expectation because it's based on what I know, which is great. You can use your brain, you you know, use all that the data bank that it is and say, OK, well, how do I think this is going to go? But I see a lot of people use expectation to decide, you know what, that's not going to go well. And it sort of keeps them in their box. You know, they don't try something new because there's an anticipation that they'll be embarrassed or they won't know how to handle it or they don't have the experience well how are you going to get it if you let your brain you know sort of predict what's going to happen and you're like i don't like that right and that is that goes against the self-trust that you and i you know talk about and uh just you know aired a few weeks back is that we we have to trust ourselves every step of the way and it takes that those expectations moving forward are just a snapshot of us. And it doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't give us, doesn't put our best foot forward. And I like how you're describing, even in, uh, including in your version of, of, you know, really detaching from expectations and not forcing expectations, because it very much fits with your life philosophy that you described earlier of, well, let's just see, this looks interesting and left, let's just see what happens, right? That's a very that looks, I've, I've seen you operate and that's a very healthy approach too. Just see what happens, right? Um, another Which is part different of- than waiting, right? So mm. we should we should look at this for mm. um, in terms of purpose as well. Don't forget what you were going to say. 
but waiting a lot, I've seen, and I think you see this a lot in your work too, is that people are waiting for their purpose to come out of the sky. I mean, it is, there is nothing, waiting is an energy. Waiting begets waiting. We are creators. You and I have said this all the time. We create our purpose. We don't wait for our purpose. And so there are so many people that are like, I haven't found it yet. I had, it's not something to find. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because uh, I'm so glad you brought this up, Jill. This is more important than what I was going to go to. Your purpose isn't something you find. I completely agree with you. Your purpose is you and your pur- you make your purpose, right? I feel that same way about when somebody says, well, she's going to go find herself. Well, where does she think she is, <laughs> right? <laughs> where's where's she going to find herself? So she she is her, right? And he is him and they are they. So this whole opportunity that we have to be more of an agent, of more agency in our sense of self, our sense of who and what we are and our sense of purpose. And like we've kind of said on a separate train track, this, the part about income and independence, financial independence, financial well-being, and that that's an adjustable scale, right? Let it be, please let it be as realistic as possible um, for in order to serve someone and being less disappointed and more objective and fairer to themselves, right? Yeah. I have to say, I, you know, earlier you asked, okay, people are going to want to operationalize this, right? And, you know, we kind of laughed when we said that I threw out the idea of purpose, that I that I kind of threw it out. But as I'm thinking about it, I do want to be clear, I did have to throw it out. It was definitely tripping me up. While I thought I didn't have my purpose, I couldn't be my purpose. So there was this, you know, idea for me that it wasn't, my brain was, you know, I just stopped looking for it. I just stopped, you know, I'm like, okay, nothing I do. Let me back up. A lot of a lot of my operating was in service of purpose, as you talked about before, or was in service of finding my purpose. It took up a lot more time and energy than I really realized. And it was a lot more distracting than I really realized. So for me, I, I decided to, as I always do, because I am an experimenter, I'm like, what if I just walked around and I always pick two weeks, purposeless. I have no purpose. So there's no referent. My brain isn't being like, oh, this could be your purpose. Oh, that could be your purpose. Oh, maybe you should do this because it'll give you a purpose. Like, you know, it's, it was just like craziness in there. So I, I decided that for two weeks, I was just going to live. And I've never stopped living that way. You know, this is years later and I'm still purposeless. And, and for me, that's the way, that's the way I became my purpose. I had to get rid of the, the sort of artificial overlay of the construct of purpose. And I really found that I don't need it. I just don't need it. Um, yeah. So I, thank you for further explaining that. And the, the metaphor I'm almost coming up with is almost like a, like a, like in a sci-fi movie of an operating system, like a, 
like a crystal, um, kind of like a, there's almost like a supercomputer and there's like this crystalline kind of shelf that goes in there. That's the operating system. I have this image of you going this, okay, I'm taking this record out. I'm going to set you in like a, a Faraday cage or some enclosed thing. And I just, I don't like you right now. I'm going to set that thing there while I go, while I go experiment. And I, I love that visual. And then I think mine is, I'll leave you in there for a little bit, but I may be replacing you soon. <laughs> I, may, I may come up with a better, a better rewrite for you, but I don't, I don't need to set you outside. I like but there's probably going to be people that that more identify with your version of no, I had to get it out, Jill. It's driving me crazy here. I just you know, I just couldn't breathe until that was out of there. And then other people will be like, no, I think I'm more like Jill, Jill when I feel her that I just I'll leave it in there. You're not bothering, you know, but you will be replaced with something better once I come up with it. <laughs> I agree. And I think it really goes to, you know, our the the difference in our personalities as I see it is that I am a more obsessive thinker. So if I don't pull it out all the way, my brain has the ability to just run it in the background. I feel it. I feel it. You know, it's just a weight, even though it's not maybe a conscious thought. I can feel those programs running and I don't want them there. So I I think that's the difference between you and I is that you have a better, not better. You have just different. It's just different in that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem to have that same intensity of, of obsession or, you know. I think that's true. I think my thoughts are quieter is maybe another kind of reference point I would give it to. And right. I think yours are, yours are noisier and more pervasive and you have such a beautifully strong brain. And then mine are more kind of maybe, well, I'm a Pisces too. So the, <laughs> Two references to astrology. That's funny. Um, mine are a little bit more watery and kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> mine are watery, but there's there are some that are sticky. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's not. I have a quiet brain. Yes, you do. Yeah. So there's a there's a stickiness to it. It's almost like you know you have all come on your shoe love cars and you know and you have that one clunker that's just on your lawn and you're like god I really got to get to that right <laughs> but that. everything else is great but there's that thing that's just sitting there and I notice it and part of it honestly for me is like a feng shui thing it's just like I feel it like yeah it's just it's just annoying it's not actually saying anything but it's the best I can describe is it's weighty Right. Thank you it's for that. That's beautiful. So, so for me, who spends a lot of time in there, I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to take it out. Right. And I will sit with, you know, on Thanksgiving and holidays with the people. I will go to that dinner and I will use it as like a, an experiment, you know, watching. I, I will sit there. I, you know, but I will not sit. I will not let that program sit there, you know. So, It's interesting, but I think, you know, I think just overall, you know, I do want to reference back to the beginning again, like we've talked about a lot of things, but how you interface with purpose is really, really important. And I think this, you know, for the people who have the more obsessive, you know, sort of what's my purpose? Where's my purpose? How do I do my purpose? And you're always thinking about your purpose, even when you're taking a shower, you know, then you can give yourself the permission to go purposeless. 
right? And for other people, you know, who have more of your constitution, they can use it as like, I see you purpose, but I may change you purpose and, and let that, you know, kind of both of them to me are fun. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the other part that I think, you know, I, I catch myself sometimes when you're talking, I'm like, I see my face is intent because I'm listening to you. But the reality is we want you to have fun with your brain and the things that we're talking about, because I will say doing this and catching my brain in action, there is nothing more fun to me. Right. There's nothing more fun. And I catch it doing crazy shit all the time. And it's erroneous associations and it's, you know, forecasting into the future and the expectations it's teeing up. Like I'm fascinated, you know, by what it's got going on up there. And we want to offer stay, stay fun with it, stay flexible with it. And part of the way that I think you and I do that is we don't take it personally. Right. We don't personalize what the brain is saying. We don't say, you know, I must be a bad person because I'm thinking this way or something must be wrong with me because I'm thinking this way. We're like, where'd that come from? But we don't care to answer it. Yeah. Just a rhetorical question. It's not something to answer. It's just it's giving the operator of the brain more permission to either agree with the thoughts and utilize the thoughts or disregard the thoughts. And just let them let them flow through in an unactionable, without ownership, without responsibility approach. Exactly. Yeah. And Um, that's the way to keep it fun. Yeah. And and to just not not be so afraid of your thoughts, really. Right. I agree. Yeah. um, I think a lot of people, especially because of the rise in psychology and, you know, the way you know, that it's very scary <laughs> what's going mm-hmm. on up there sometimes, you know, because we don't feel like we have control over it. Right. Right. And so to interface with it without trying to stop it is really what, what you and I both espouse, you know, we're like, listen to it, but don't, don't follow it down the rabbit hole, you know, emotionally and personally. And I, you know, in terms of identifying and all of that, just be like, huh, wow, look where that went, you know, yeah, and just beautiful. like, I don't know, be kind of flippant with it. I know we're starting to wrap up here. Um, the, the idea of enjoyment and enjoying the process of interacting with your brain and investigating and exploring other ways to use your brain. I love that. And I'd like to add for another sort of, um, sort of approach. If it, if it isn't joy, or if it's an addition to joy, my, my goal is that you have that everyone has a system that works for them at being the version of them that they enjoy being and that they like being to help it be easier for you to be a you that you like best, right? I just I feel that's so that's such a great um, approach to life and living and, and a sense of purpose and a sense of fulfillment. Um, to have more experiences in all and every role that you play where you feel like I, I liked my me when I was, you know, today at my work or when I was with that person in my life or that when I was alone, when I was alone doing my things that I, I, I liked being my me in those moments. Right. I feel like that's, that's a huge thing, Jill, because, you know, and I, 
I really want to punctuate that because the brain doesn't spend time. The brain distracts you from spending time, allowing those moments to enjoy yourself, not in what you're doing, but in who you're being. Those are not the, that the brain distracts you from that. So it requires a little bit of a slowing down and almost a reference to, to be like, yeah, I liked my me. I liked my me when I was, you know, just in the line at Starbucks. I love, I don't know why everything I say is about, the line <laughs> but I just feel like everybody can relate to that. And so much goes on in that line. If you're paying attention. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like we, we're too, you know, focused. So even when you say something like, I, I liked my me in that moment, your brain is still going to try and be well, because you were doing this and because you were doing that, it's still going to try and tell you why you liked your, you that's something outside of you. Right. And that's when you say, no, 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 no. I didn't like myself because I was doing something. Right. And this is so subtle. And I hope people can sort of tease it apart. But you like you for doing absolutely nothing. It's not about action. It's about operator. It's about, yeah, it's more than that. So I thank you for pointing out that the brain can't get you there to what I'm talking about and what I'm describing. My brain can is not the is not the leader. It's not the mechanism for that. It is, it's a part of my me, obviously, and I'm so grateful for my brain, but I had to create all of these other layers of Jill that weren't there, right? Through trial and error, experimentation, curiosity, right? Um, And last night, my husband and I were um, at a a friend's for a gathering and there were 20 couples. I only knew the host. I didn't know who else I'd know, but 90% of the people that were there, I didn't know who they were. I had such a great time. And there wasn't a strategy involved. I was curious. I, I did have the intention of, of going and enjoying myself and enjoying Jeff, my husband, um, in this you know experience. And we succeeded, right? I don't even want to diagnose, you know, deconstruct from a from a brain oriented space how and why and what I did and what I didn't do. All I know is I enjoyed myself, and I feel that others were also enjoying my me while I was enjoying their them. Um, that to me is a win, right? So it's that is it's perfect kind of moments, right? And simple things. Um, I really, I love to help parents with helping and helping them enjoy their them when they're putting their kids to sleep, you know, when they have little kids and they're just like, well, there was one mom that was embarrassed. She said, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I dread the putting my child to bed because all I do is lay there thinking, get to sleep. So, because I've got other shit to do. Right. And I was like validating that part of her that was very out output oriented while also helping her support the other layers of her that she was going to create and experiment with that could just really appreciate that. These are the putting your kid to bed is just, there's something so heavenly about that, right? It can be made into such a sacred, beautiful experience as long as you are creating those other layers of you that are beyond your brain and what it wishes sometimes it was doing instead. So I have a different um, take on the layers Mm. because 
I feel like I discover my layers when my brain, when I get my brain out of the way. So I don't feel like I'm creating those layers. I feel like they're all part of me and the brain is almost keeping them from me. Oh, wow. Um, So I, I feel like I get more of me, more of me comes online as I train my brain to quiet down and sit over there and whatever, I feel more of myself. I don't know if we're actually saying something different, Jill. I think we're using different words and you and I do have different language that we use for things because as you're saying this, I'm like, no, that's definitely, that's, that definitely describes what I'm doing too. Yeah. That's cool. So, because I always remember you would say all the, all the books are on the shelf and you get Mm -hmm. to pull any book you want. Right. But then when you say I was creating layers of me that weren't there, I, I don't feel that that's what's happening. I feel like the, for me, you know, and I've, I've been doing this for a while now, I feel like I am always so pleasantly, you know, not surprised by myself, but I'm, I'm so pleasantly comforted by me when I sort of de, you know, deprogram something. Okay. Um, and you know, I and might peace. Yeah. Okay. And I might be being defensive as I say this, and I'll, I'll own that if that's the case. I guess the reason that I probably use that that approach and word, the, that language for me and with my clients in terms of you're creating a version of you that wasn't there is that it, if I don't do that, I think my brain will act like I'm looking for something versus allowing for something. So I kind of like the, there's a candy called a gobstopper, right? And it has all these layers. I feel like my brain is a, is an operating system within all of those layers, but I do feel like the version of me that I created, and I do feel like I created it, um, it could be allowed for it and it was already there, but the version of me that could lay down with my kids and just really not think about the fact that the dishwasher needs to be uploaded, you know, unloaded when they're done, that I need to do this when they're after they're asleep and that when they're after they're asleep, that I really could be fully present with them and appreciate and make that just a, a precious ending to their day and to my my day with them. So yeah. I, I kind of feel like I'm an artist, kind of like, oh, we haven't painted this painting yet. I don't have a reference point as my Jill of, of what this Jill mom looks like. So I'm creating and exploring like, okay, I'm just going to relax and, yes. you know, do, do whatever, do little, you know, soft little drawings on their arm or tickle their back or, you know, what, what each child kind of liked more to help them relax and, and settle in for sleep. So I, I think that's why I do it. That I love way. it. I don't I think like that's, that. I don't think that that's a defense. I think that, you know, the, the beauty of what we, we do for ourselves and what we're, you know, offering, you know, to anybody who's, you know, interested is, and and even why we wordsmith sometimes, it's because we know where our brain gets sticky. And so you and I, we're looking for these ways around, in you know, to, to bring about something that, yes, we are creating. You know, we're creating a solution. <laughs> Right. And, and that is the creativity here is like, how do I get out of my brain? What gets me out of there? And we want, we want people to find their own, their own way. Because you're sharing your way, I'm sharing my way, and everybody has their own ways to sort of 
navigate this, you know, kind of often unruly interloper, you know, that is a little too much of a busybody. So whichever, whichever way appeals to people, you know, and whichever words you have to use and whatever, we are all for it, you know, whatever the, works, whatever works, the, just understand, you know, that the, the, the goal is, is often the same, right? That we're trying to get more of us online, less of this, you know, put this to sleep a little bit more. And, you know, when, when my daughter was, you know, saying, I never knew this about myself, inherent in that was, this is me. She knew that she couldn't not be her. She had that understanding that she just miss, she was misinformed. And that was such a, it was so interesting oh, the beautiful. way she chose to kind of describe it. She's like, what else did I get wrong about me? Which is really quite, you know, it's quite a revelation. It's quite remarkable. Um, I'm yeah. so happy for her and what that allows for her in terms of, again, enjoying her being a her that she likes, right? In all of, not just in her career, version of her but in all the ways that she is herself it's so and beautiful. that's what she's saying she's like I'm feeling it kind of she's like I'm curious as to now that I have a different perspective of myself it can't just be in one space I'm a whole person so now she's really eager to bring herself to all the things she normally does and see what changes and so the work that we do inspires if you start to do the work it inspires itself the curiosity inspires more curiosity the hardest part is getting started with the sort of watching your brain but once you do that it starts to feed on itself and that's why you can get in via the purpose conversation you can get in via the trust conversation all of these are entry points to the same to the same place. So yeah, whichever one speaks to you, you know, and don't give up because there will be one that speaks to you and, you know, and allows you to get in there. Yep. Um, thank you, Joe. This was perfect. I'm so glad for all the things that you added in terms of like, don't wait, right? There's never, the brain will never say there's, okay, now it's time to go, right? Now it's time to be that. Um, giving yourself permission to let it be messy, have very soft and uh, forgiving, exp compassionate expectations of yourself and how things will go when you're experimenting with another way of being yourself. Um, I love that we did purpose today. That feels complete. Do you agree? Yeah, it really does. It really does. There's a I... lot here. There is. There's a lot here. I, I've heard from so many people, Jill, as we're, as we're closing up here, that they some of them, when they find an episode that they particularly enjoy and they just sense, wow, there's a lot here for me. And I, I, I didn't, I'm not going to get it all in one sitting. So I've heard from some people, they listen three and four times to one episode. Um, and sometimes they watch it, uh, whether it's on YouTube or Spotify, sometimes they only listen to it and they just let themselves really, this is, they, they said, this is the only podcast that they do that with. And I hear something new every time. And I just wanted to offer that for some people that may not have had that idea 
um, that feel like, you know, there's, there's almost like there's so much here. I don't even know what to do with it. Take your time, listen to it as many, wash it as many times as you want to take notes, maybe, and just have self-reflective questions about, you know, this was interesting and I'm not sure what I want to do with that yet, but this, this feels like there's something good here for you. Right. That's a yeah. possibly a useful approach. To I this love is, that. We're meaning when- we're doing this because we want it to be different. We a hundred percent. And I know that when I listen to something dense, cause I did a course in miracles for a long time, which is super dense. Um, I would just read. The idea was not to try to get to the end of the book. The idea was to have something that sparked me and brought me online. And then I would stop. And then I wanted to see where I went with that idea. And then I would go back. So you want to be very present in the listening of, of this, because you be curious about where you go. You know, the brain is saying, do I agree or do I not agree? That's very binary and very uninteresting. When you hear something, you're like, huh, I haven't heard that before or that I've heard it before, but now it sounds different. Turn it off. Go, go allow it to percolate right and and then come back to it because this this will be here and i think that you and i we say a lot and you know yeah like take take your time this is you know this is not a sprint right what is it it's a marathon not a sprint i don't know <laughs> you don't have to get to the end of the episode really all in one sitting right there's a lot there so i think that's good I also want to say thank you to everyone that's been sharing this with um, friends and family and other people that, you know, we really appreciate that. I, I've, you know, received messages from people of, oh, I shared this with four friends and two of them are like hooked, they're subscribing, they're following, they're liking, they're, you know, turned on notifications and they can't wait for the next episode. And of course that, that makes us happy that this is helping anyone. So that's great. Yeah. No, I'm getting good feedback. I hope you are too. No, I hear the same thing. And, you know, when people say, oh, I listen to your podcast and there are people I, some of them I don't know well, or they, it's mm-hmm. been given by someone else. I am just always funny enough. I'm always surprised. Like I, <laughs> my first thing is like, really? <laughs> um, so I do have this very, like, that's amazing. You know, it's, it's just very nice to hear. And it always catches me off guard in like the, the warmest way. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it feels really nice. It feels good. I mean, we're doing this to help people. So yeah. <laughs> it always feels good when it is. <laughs> and we enjoy it. So win-win. Yes, totally. Jill, thank you so much for today. I love you. Yeah, I love today. Thank you. <laughs>